I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So to directly allude to my first episode, it's really hard not to discuss the elephant in the room, where the elephant is not a four-legged creature, but rather the current political state of this country, and the room isn't a four-walled structure, but rather this country, America. And I think it's safe to say that everyone watched the presidential debate yesterday, and I will say it was definitely comical. Between the unassertive moderator, the blatant shut-ups, and Trump just being himself, the realization that I was watching an actual presidential debate and not an SNL skit was one that hit me way too frequently. And I think what really solidified the reality of the situation was the news coverage immediately following the debate. And similar to me, reporters and commentators were just in utter disbelief. So I want you guys to listen to the words from CNN anchor Jake Tapper directly following the debate. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. That was the worst debate I have ever seen. In fact, it wasn't even a debate. It was a disgrace. As you just heard, that was some very strong, very, very strong packed language. But to move on to my focal point here, after some commentary on Snapchat, scrolling through the influx of comedic debate-inspired TikToks, that realization set in, like genuinely. The token emotion I have now associated with the recent presidential debate isn't humor, but rather fear. It's it's scary. It was scary when our president got the opportunity to denounce white supremacy blatantly and, and just didn't. It was horrifying when I was able to assimilate the debate between two candidates, with one being our current commander-in-chief, to my arguments five years ago with my little sister. Very childlike mannerisms displayed by our leader. And it was frightening when I realized that our president fueled the comedic factor of that debate. Our country, like the president of our country, fueled the comedic factor of that debate. And so disregarding like the memes and the humorous element of last night, it really is, unfortunately, a very accurate reflection, uh, depiction of our country's leadership. And I don't know about those of you listening, but I would much rather keep the SNL skits on SNL and not have them serve as a direct allusion to our country's government. Leave the skits on reality TV and the way our country is run at such a significant point in our history with issues like climate change, systemic racism, and further discrimination plaguing our citizens now more than ever, it is integral that our leadership and elected officials aren't reminiscent of reality TV stars or comedians. And these previously mentioned issues will continue to plague citizens until new leadership is elected. Keyword elected. And this brings me to my primary point, which I know I mentioned before, but like this is the real, real, the real deal primary point. Amidst the apprehensiveness of that the vast majority of Americans are feeling at the moment, especially heightened after yesterday's debate, voting is of the utmost importance. And before I continue with this episode, please, if you are registered to vote, do so. We cannot let the privilege of voting, which is merely a wish for too many individuals, be taken for granted. Exercise your constitutional right. What I'm getting to here is that the vote is powerful, and the power of the vote is what we need to see notable change in our country. I think the beauty of democracy is that we, the people, have the right to elect whoever we feel is fit to lead our country. So if you're lucky enough to be eligible to vote, it's integral that you use it, meaning that you can't complain about issues in this country 
I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of citizens are complaining about this country in some kind of way right now and not use your right to elect those who you feel would fix them. And the thing is, that ideal that I just mentioned seems perfect on paper. If you want to see governmental change, vote to induce that change. Perfect sense. But unfortunately, it's not that simple right now. There is a very strong presence of the I can't mentality, which is housed in the brains of many, many American citizens. And out of all of the mentalities I've mentioned on this entire show, this one wins the cake for being the most destructive one. Um, It's important to note that the Electoral College, amongst other factors, can affect or sway the outcome of an election, and this is accredited with being the reason why voting doesn't matter to so many individuals. Like, you know, I don't determine the results just to, you know, it's just the Electoral College that does it, not me. And although it's a fair conclusion to make, I guess, it's wrong. Considering that the sole idea of being able to vote is one of the token founding ideologies of democracy and this country more specifically, its effect can't just be completely erased and taken away from the people. And if that was the case, America would, one, have a very, very weak foundation, and two, it really wouldn't be a democracy, quite honestly. Another key element to discuss is voting rights. It's a commonly held misconception that the right to vote was one which was quickly acquired by everyone that, you know, deviated from the standard white landowning male identification by the early 1900s when the women's suffrage movement happened. In school, it's essentially taught that landowning white males were once the only ones allowed to vote, followed by Susan B. Anthony saving us all and everything being perfect in terms of voting at that point, which is very, very wrong and flawed. For a very brief, brief summary of our nation's voting rights timeline, to start in 1870, the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution eliminated racial barriers to voting. However, voter discrimination, which showed itself in the form of literacy tests, poll taxes, and general intimidation, remained prevalent. So once again, it was mainly white guys voting, being protected under the umbrella of a faulty 15th Amendment. In 1920, per the ratification of the 19th Amendment, women gained the right to vote. White women. White women gained the right to vote. Three years later, Washington State voters passed Initiative 40, where one method of voter discrimination, one, the poll tax, was repealed. A year later, Native Americans can now vote per the Indian Citizenship Act. Fast forward 40 years, the Federal Civil Rights Act is passed in 1964 to ensure that all men and women aged 21 and older, regardless of race, religion, or education, have the right to vote. Not to mention, the 24th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is ratified um, in the same year, completely eliminating the poll tax. A second time. A second time it has to be eliminated. And lastly, in 1965, the Federal Voting Rights Act suspends literacy tests. So now registration and voting rights are being federally enforced. To reiterate, that was merely a brief, shortened summary of our nation's voting rights timeline, just compressed. There was still progress that had to be made after so recently to accommodate voters with disabilities and to further condemn voter discrimination, which was literally still happening less than 50 years ago. And I don't say all of this just to talk about American history because it's boring and I wouldn't bring it up if it held no significance, but it is especially significant here because it shows just how many ratifications and amendments and years of discrimination and protests that had to occur just for everyone in this country to gain the right to vote, which was one of the token founding ideologies of this country. There was like one job they had to do and they managed to screw it up. So yeah, a lot had to happen just for everybody to gain their constitutional right that was promised years and years and years, centuries ago. 
And this extensive timeline doesn't just show our country's corrupt past that is relatively recent, actually, but it proves the power that a vote holds. If the vote didn't matter, if nobody's vote held any significance, if the vote held no impact on the country and its leadership, why would the government be trying so hard to strip that right away from the people for years and years? Exactly. The vote is so powerful, and it can do a lot more than many individuals expect. And to some, the more people who house that my vote doesn't matter mentality in their brains, the more detrimental its effects will be. And just to provide a brief example of... Um, just how detrimental the effects of housing this I can't voter mentality can be in the long run. I'm just going to talk, I'm just going to um, bring up a random example. So let's say that there is a class in an elementary, in an elementary school, at, I'm jumbling my words, full of children. And there's a really, really hard test that they have to take um, like the next day, right? And none of them are prepared. However, none of them feel confident enough to voice that they have no idea what's going on in the chapter, in the unit. So... Every single one of what, like 20 students in the class decides not to voice that they are very confused. Therefore, the test proceeds the next day and every single one of them fails. But all of them needed that extra attention to get the grade that they desired. That is a direct um, reflection of the country and what could happen if the people that house that I can't mentality decide not to vote. Put it that way in that elementary school example, setting situation, however you want to call it. If just one of those students no, if actually, this is awful way for me to put it. If every single one of those students decided to voice their opinion, I say one because one could just set a catalyst and like set um, influence other students to voice their opinions. But what I'm getting to is that if every single one of those students decided to voice their opinion and say, hey, I have no idea what's going on in this chapter or in this unit, in this lesson, that would have led to maybe the test being postponed, maybe additional help being given to every single student and maybe them not failing in the end, ultimately. And that's a direct reflection of the country. There are so many voters who decide not to vote every year. If 100% of the eligible voter voters in this country just exercised their civic duty, their constitutional right, and voted, the effects of every single one of these elections would have been drastically different. And that is the same thing that we see in that elementary school example. If every student just voiced their opinion, not everybody would have failed the same way that if everyone voted, we wouldn't have the president that we had today. I'm sorry to go like so straightforward into Trump, but it's a really good example. If every single person houses that I can't do it my on my own or I can't do it alone mentality, then we're collectively there's there's not going to be a collective. The more people that have that I can't do it mindset, especially when it pertains to voting in this election particularly, the more detrimental and destructive the effects of it will be on this country and on communities and on individuals. So voters have clearly understood the importance of exercising their constitutional right this year. As of September 26th, more than 860,000 Americans had already cast their vote in the 2020 election, a number significantly higher than the 9,525 votes that were reported at that point in 2016. And that number has actually increased to 1 million as of September 28th, only two days later from the current report. These trends don't just prove that the call for better leadership in this country is increasing, but that it is an urgent matter. With voter activity increasing exponentially as compared to last election in 2016, it is clear that the vote is more powerful than ever. With that being said, it is imperative and of utmost importance that if eligible, if you possess the privilege to vote, you do exactly that. 
a lot of people don't vote and it's something that's just so mind-boggling to me I'm 16 and so it really sucks for me that I'm so vocal about these like political issues and societal issues that I want to fix and I see these policy policies in these candidates and I watch the debates and I kind of keep up with it as much as I can and that's because it's really something that it's just so mind-boggling that people can have this privilege of voting and just not and not do it like that's very hard for me to even digest to even comprehend in my brain I know that it's obviously not a good decision for all like teenagers to just get the right to vote because some of us don't know what we're talking about and that's a problem in itself people don't care about politics today and being able to say that I don't like to involve myself in politics or like I don't care about politics is a privilege that a lot of people don't realize. It is a privilege to not have politics and the elected governmental officials officials not govern if you will get to eat tomorrow, if you will get to have food to put on the table for your children, if you will get to have health care, if you will get to live to the next day, if you will be able to receive a life-saving surgery without having to pay millions of dollars or without having to be in debt for the rest of your life. It's a privilege to not have politics govern your life. And that's something that this whole topic, debate, conversation, argument comes down to. It's not a matter of voter trends or statistics or numbers or people like Susan B. Anthony, pioneers like her. It's a matter of empathy. I can say this myself. I'm privileged enough to not have politics determine my entire life, my survival, my quality of life, etc. I'm privileged enough to not be in a position, an economic position, a familial position where if somebody gets elected that I do not agree with in terms of their policies, I will still be able to eat the next day. I will still have parents that will hold a job, etc. You see where I'm going with this? It, it really boils down to empathy. You have to be able to put yourself in the shoes of another person. And it's not about being lazy or wanting handouts. It's a matter of being empathetic. A lot of Americans in this country their lives are governed by politics. Their lives are governed by policies. And it's a really privileged, it's a very privileged, it's a statement oozing a privilege to just say, I don't care about politics or I don't want to vote because it doesn't really concern me. When there's people that depend on votes like yours to decide whether or not they'll be able to eat the next day or whether or not they're going to be able to live to the next year to receive a surgery to, without being in debt. Because a lot of people that are living in poverty, a lot of people that are in these really unfair awful situations can't vote a lot of felons they cannot vote and a lot of people are like well they're felons they deserve to not get the right to vote but a lot of people don't even realize that being a criminal is a it comes on a spectrum i'm not saying that if you you know did something that was illegal that you know you're not a criminal per se but it's really important to note that you could go into jail for anything and a lot of things that people are arrested for and got and get their voting rights stripped away from are things that you might have done and just slipped under the cracks, which can be due to so many different types of privileges, whether it's a race-based privilege or an economic-based privilege, etc., etc. But what I'm getting to here is not to ramble, which I tend to do a lot, I'm sorry, but what I'm getting to is that being able to not care about politics is a privilege. Therefore, having the right to vote and to influence politics is a privilege. Why would you not want to help others when you know you're in a position where you can, where it will not affect you negatively? What I'm getting to is that if there's anything our country's history of voter discrimination says, it's that the vote holds significance and it's selfish and unempathetic to not use that constitutional right. So to wrap things up, I cannot stress enough the importance of voting. If you haven't already, register now. Deadlines to do so are approaching soon, they're approaching rapidly. And given the current state of this country, it is vital that those of you who have the privilege of voting do exactly that. 
So for your convenience, I attached a voter registration link, a website in the description and check it out too. Feel free to check it out and register, view important deadlines and information surrounding voting in this year's election and voting in general. And perhaps most importantly, I hope that if you possessed an I can't mentality prior to this episode pertaining to I can't sway the election myself, my vote doesn't matter, so I'm just not going to vote or I don't care about politics. I hope that if you possess one of those I can't mentalities prior to this episode, you were able to one, acknowledge that it is detrimental and can have so many negative effects that affect a wide range of people in this country. And two, I hope that you're able to change your perspective on the power of the vote in America because it is very powerful, more powerful than a lot of people, the vast majority of citizens right now would like to think. And to end with something I wrote last week, you cannot be concerned with the state of the country and refuse to do something when it's time to take action. So with that being said, I have to really conclude here. I hope you took something away from this episode and don't forget to tune in next Thursday for a new episode. I'll see you next week on A Little Perspective.